Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. I'm Dacia Coffee. As a chief marketing officer, speaker, author, copywriter, and three-time entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about influence and impact in the business world. So I want to share with you what I've learned about how to be heard, be seen, and be successful, and introduce you to the people I've met along the way who learned how to unlock their potential. For our inaugural episode, I'm introducing you to Eric Peterson, the creative director of The Marketing Blender. He is a branding master and has transformed the brands of Fortune 500 companies all the way down to the small businesses that change the fabric of our lives. We're talking about how you use brand to influence how you're perceived, and it is an exciting conversation. In addition, I'm gonna introduce you to Kyle Coffey, my husband, partner in crime, and partner in business, so let's jump right in. All right, Kyle Coffey and Eric Peterson, I am so excited. Hello, everybody, I'm Dacia Coffey, and here we go, episode zero of Corporate Caffeine, the first podcast we're ever doing. Well, why'd you just call it zero if it's number one? It's in my mind, it's like level, like level playing ground. Like you have to just set the bar. And I prefer the bar to be at zero because you have to go up from there. Like a baby, <laughs> zero to one. Do you know in yes. China they yeah. start at yes. one? Have you heard that? I have heard that. Their birthdays start at one. Yeah. Like um, it, it starts at the end of the year. And then that's your next year. So that that's how their ages can be off. It actually makes more sense. Just to be one instead of zero, like you're a zero. Well, you're, yeah, you're a month. Yeah. Or a week. Yeah. Or a day. Exactly. So, my goodness, we could really go down a rabbit hole on. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that right off from the bat existence. with episode zero, but I had And to. I actually think it's a great introduction to you, babe. So, because I'm pretty sure Kyle's going to be the one that's like, hey, let's chase a squirrel on this yeah. podcast. Well, Daisy doesn't call everyone babe, just me. Exactly. I hope. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm so her husband, Kyle. And I, we got Eric here to the right. Yep. And so, guys, tell everybody what you do. So I am the creative director at the Marketing Blender. And one of the most fabulously weird and inspiring people I have ever known. And Kyle? Yeah, I'm kind of behind the scenes and uh, keep Daisy on track. <laughs> Eric keeps himself on track. The rest of the team does. And um, I'm just there to guide her. That's, that's fair. That's a enough. true story. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Probably a pretty accurate job yeah. description. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm the CEO, Dacia, of the Marketing Blender. I'm a fractional chief marketing officer, a speaker, soon-to-be author. Good God, I've got to give birth to this book. It's killing me. So book, Corporate Caffeine, and chaser of randomness. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, though. <laughs> yeah, it is so exciting. I mean, we, the, you've been talking about the book for years. Yeah. So now that it's finally coming to fruition is pretty cool. Yeah. And here's the bad and great thing. So this was the book I had to write. The one that documents what I believe about marketing, what I believe about the business world, and helps with why we do what we do so that I can write the next book in regards to what's it all about and how did I get here and what have I learned? Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like the one that has to be written so I can write the one that I want to write so that the next one makes sense. So what's number two? I already know. Yeah, it's probably having something to do with use your work to bless the world, you know, finding your calling something. What yeah. do you think it is? 
Oh, guaranteed. Everywhere we go, everyone goes, oh, so your uh, book's going to be about using your work to bless the world? And she's like, no, it's about marketing. <laughs> what do you think it's about? And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Why? Let me rewind this. <laughs> no, but, you know, to your point, and even in the book, the theme all the way through Corporate Caffeine, and I'm a big believer in the fact that marketing is one of the least utilized tools in people's arsenal, companies' arsenal, to make a real impact. And that impact should start before the invoice. The influence should happen because you're representing something significant, something about your values and what you believe, and that you can serve the world even before you start getting paying customers. And I, it really drives me crazy that you see so much flat, bland communication and you're supposed to be inspiring people and changing them and teaching them in your marketing. And companies kind of crap out on that. And it ticks me off. It's a perception, right? So, the you know, design went through that 10 years ago to where, you know, everybody was struggling in the design industry because the boardroom and the corporate executives didn't value the designers. But then there was really a big push to uh, show how design impact the bottom line for companies. And once they realized that, they started inviting designers into the boardrooms and the executive level. So now you see companies with chief design officers. I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, strictly design companies. I'm talking about regular organizations in the corporate world are inviting the designers into those higher level talks because they realize that they have a impact on, on the business. Yeah. So you have marketing is, I think is starting to go through that phase now too, because all the clients that we run into is they're like, well, we've never really done marketing before, but now we know we have to do it because we're getting our butt kicked or we're not being seen and yeah. we know that we have to make a change. So it's almost a, a mandatory now where people have to utilize marketing, but there was such a negative stigma to it. Um, but the truth is, is there's a lot of positivity that you can promote out there and it's not just selling or, you know, trying to get a leads or sales. It's just all the goodness that is wrapped up in your company that you can share with people. I think that's what's so fascinating about your mission statement is you have to have, really have to have a mind shift for you to really understand it. But people are really starting to come around and understand that there is like this circular approach to uh, marketing and, and it's just not a one faceted thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, we went on vacation last week and it's so nice to get out of the weeds every once in a while. And the big thing that was just rattling around my brain as we were driving home is just that reminder that what we do is about creating connection. And it's as simple as that. There's this George Bernard Shaw quote, and I'm going to totally massacre it, but it's about, you know, that, that the biggest misconception in communication is that it's actually even occurred. You know, basically that people even understood what you said. And that is so common where you think you said one thing and they heard something so different. And man, when you're talking about organizational communication, like marketing, oh yeah, the likelihood that they took it exactly how you meant it, unless you put design behind it, put heart behind it, put thoughtfulness behind Along it. Along with the messaging. Yeah, and do it on purpose. You know, uh, two days ago, we were out to breakfast with one of my best friends. Um, and we go... Would you ever have thought, and we're not that old school, I don't think, but would you ever have thought 15 years ago we'd be sitting here at breakfast talking about digital marketing with growing your business, you know, especially the business that he was in, where it's all handshakes, connections, meeting people face-to-face, -face, and he just had to transform his whole business yes. to the digital space. Yeah. 
it's been you know and he's just like who would have thought you know i've known him for a long time and it never even crossed our mind that we'd have a conversation about and know enough about it to talk about it you on the other hand you know you've known for a long time it was headed here well because we're in it day to day right well that's what i was just going to say too is even like Back in the day, in the beginning, the beginning of digital, when I was like doing subway banner ads, and even that's right when Facebook just started. Yeah. I don't even think I really understood how it was going to evolve, and you know, when Instagram comes on, I remember doing my my first Instagram post and trying to figure out hashtags. Yes, <laughs> and I took a picture of my yes. grandparents' wallpaper. Right, they had some wallpaper in their bathroom that was from like the seventies, and it had like this mirror finish on it, and. I took a picture of that, posted it, did hashtags for like wallpapers. It was like, I had no idea what I was doing. And I got like 40 <laughs> likes. And I was like, oh my God, this is okay. hilarious. And it's like, yeah, people found this by the hashtag. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think it was it was pretty interesting how, how, how much has it's changed. I love thinking, I forgot all about the first iterations of Facebook until you guys just brought it up. What was it? You used to be able to give high fives or you could... Poke. Poke. Yeah. You could poke someone. How weird is that? And I remember reaching out to one of our buddies, Jason in Georgia, and I, I was thinking, what is this? I said, well, poke Jason. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, what is a poke? And you know, I mean, I'm in Texas, he's in Georgia, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm like, I don't know. It just said poke. And I thought, I'll send it to you because he's not going to get mad at me. <laughs> like, just so strange yeah. that now it's this massive machine you know and they've been in front of congress and there's data privacy and there's ai and, and oh my gosh from a poke yeah exactly <laughs> this could go really sideways <laughs> yeah right well let's hit the rewind button and um i kind of know somewhat the answer but how long have you been into creative design and um God, it really what inspired you, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I never really dawned on it, but my whole life, really. Um, so when I was a kid, I always admired people that were into illustration, and I was always drawing. My dad, I don't think you guys know this, but my dad used to design all the houses that I grew up in. No and so way. he was like a... Um, like an underground architect, right? Like that's what he did in his free time. So like when he, you know, was off of work, he would draw floor plans, right? And just like experiment with like moving walls or creating new homes or whatever it is. So we would like build a house, live in it, and then move to another one. And we just did that for years and years. And I'd watch him do that. And then my mom was a fantastic painter, but she despised it. Like she wanted nothing to do with it. And it kind of blew my mind. But when I watched them growing up, um, I started adapting to that. And so I started doing my own little cartoons. Yeah. And I was using the arch- architectural uh, templates to create robots. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was pretty funny, but I knew that there was probably never, never a career in that. Um, so I ended up going to uh, business school, but after I failed out of college, it came full circle and put me right back into the art thing, which I've told you this story, but really what set me on that path was um, when I moved out to Dallas, I was sitting in his office and he was doodling out package designs for a graphic designer. And I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm just creating like a loose like thumbnail reference for the package, our retail packaging that we're doing. And I was like, I could totally do that. And so that's what got me into the Art Institute um, and then on this career path. But even when I was a kid, you know, 10, 11 years old, 
there's a famous uh, company in San Francisco called IDEO that does like product design and high-end design thinking, yeah. right? Problem solving for governments and cities. Like an example would be like, how do they re um, rethink their pat their uh, grocery or um, trash pickup across the city, right? Like where do they put receptacles or what do they put bus stop locations to make it most efficient? And I watched some episodes on that and I was like, that is totally fascinating. But I never thought at that time my career would kind of come full circle in that. So I love how there's always whispers of, you know, your future or your natural giftings. Like your curiosity will always eventually point to where you're supposed to be. Now, it's not like a strobe light where it's like, look here, this is where we're supposed to go. But I mean, there's always whispers like along the way when you look back and you go, ah, it was there the whole time. Yeah, cool. there, I mean, there were definitely road signs. So yeah. it's it pretty interesting. I think that's what I find so fascinating today about it, especially when I tell people that story is, you know, it's like those you never would have thought, right? Yes. And then plop, there you are. Yes, Do you exactly. really enjoy it still to this oh, yeah. day? And that, yeah. this is going to be your future no matter what. It's kind of your calling in a way. It, you, or or you, you have a job and a career that you really love to do. Yeah, I really do. And like what I what the inspires me most about the aspect is the making. I mean, on our call today, I showed Daisy this little like gift package box that I was working on where I just like doodled the whole outside of it. And, you know, there's times where I'm just like compelled to where I have to do it. And so I've been putting that project off. And then last weekend, I just sat down. And I was like, I'm going to knock this out. And once I started, I couldn't stop until it was finished. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm like that about writing. I'm compelled to journal. I'm compelled to write things down. I mean, literally, my brain works with a pen in my hand. I mean, it, it's actually almost weird that I do not have a pen and pad, but it's because I would be so distracted that I'm trying not to. But, and, you know, somewhat similar story in regarding that I'd always loved to write. I mean, poems when I was five years old. I mean, I still have all of these creative stories, just always writing, writing, writing. And so when I graduated high school, my AP English teacher is, you know, so excited because she knows I'm going to go into communications or you know, literature or some sort of, you know, artistic aspect of writing. And I was like, nope, I'm going into business. I do not want to be broke. <laughs> I didn't come from a lot of money and I would like to find out what that feels like just in total transparency. Now, I did love business school because I'm a nerd and I love to learn. So college was like this playground for me of like ideas. And so, but there were whispers. I, ironically, one of my weirdest um, business school class that I loved was manufacturing. And so super ironic that we have a huge uh, group of manufacturers that we've worked with, you know, over the years. But I've always loved, you know, that that side, that process. And like, I love macroeconomics. But back to writing, full circle, career in sales, career in you know, fundraising, mom, I mean, entrepreneur. And on the side, I end up writing for a mommy and me magazine and started doing little columns and writing for a newsletter of a charity that I had helped found. And that writing led me into the marketing world and doing freelance copywriting and then copywriting and then brand messaging. <laughs> and here we go. And now I, this is what I make a living on is teaching people about messaging and communication that it was always back to that core passion where I just am compelled to write things and think things through the written word. You know, 
As uh, soon as she said that or started talking about her writing on the wall right there is her first article she ever wrote. And oh, I was, yeah. um, I own my own company. <laughs> that was a painful one too. It's been what, about 12 years ago, that article was. Mm -hmm. And um, while, while I was running my company, I was like, won't you, you know, kind of find your calling, do what you love to do while we can work this out before I sell it and this, that, and the other. And um, she just contacted a local magazine. And at the time, um, I started mountain biking a decent amount. You want to tell this story? You can and tell so, it. Oh, gosh. I might So she crying. goes, well, you know what? I might try to mountain bike with you. And I took her to a trail that I thought, oh, she can make do on this trail. I've been on it a few times. Disaster. Wait. The one you wanted to take me on was closed. So we had to ride one that you'd never ridden before. Okay. Maybe you're right. So the research <laughs> I did on that, I said she should be able to ride this trail. Oh, my gosh. She was hitting trees, falling about every 15 feet. And she wrote an oh article on God. it. She wrote, and that I, was her first one um, ever published. So. I had a popped blood vessel in my eye. <laughs> and this was back before when it was you always clipped in. And so my clips and my shoes wouldn't detach. And later on, Kyle kept saying, no, I, I mean, you're just doing it wrong. And, and sure enough, I mean, I would just all of a sudden, Boom! Just and fall over. land and a tree. Oh my gosh, those trees bit me nonstop. Yeah. It was horrible. And later on, he was testing my shoes and he was like, Oh, yeah, you really can't get out of these. I could have yeah. killed him. But yeah, it did turn into my first published And clipping into a story, mountain bike just to kind of go off the rails is where your shoes attach to the pedal. Yeah, pole. it freaks me out. out. Oh, it's it. freaky. Well, the first probably oh 15 gosh. years I mountain biked, I stayed clipped in. I never rode a mountain bike otherwise. I didn't even know better because that's the thing that it was popular then. And they're like, if you want to go uphill and push harder now, no. Yeah. I, I ride flats thing. and I love it. Absolutely love it. And I'm like, why did I do that? I can go just as hard and fast without, them, you know, personally. Okay, so let's go back to your background. So this is interesting, and I want to know if you oh, think there were road, road signs or whispers. No. Because you are a maverick thinker. I mean, you're very much the entrepreneur. Literally, you guys, if you ever want a business idea, come to Kyle because he has 12 a day. Like, no joke. It's crazy. It's and I'll be quick fun. to shoot one down as well. True. You know, you're very practical. The numbers don't match. It's kind of, I don't even know if that's my calling yet or not, you know. Right. I, I didn't go all the way through college, same as Eric, but when I was in it, you know, I took your economics classes and I thought, man, maybe that's what I want to do. It's broad. I'm just going to knock this out, get it out of the way. And I thought, you know, this, this ain't right for me. So I started traveling, working, um, you know, with a company that just seeing the United States. I was from a small town in Kentucky Moved to Georgia, I realized, man, there's a lot out there. So I found this company I worked for, did it for three years, and, um, well, I'll make a long story short. Worked for Anheuser-Busch for five, worked my way up, got into sales, owned a trucking company, did that for 10 years. And I realized one thing about myself was just grab a hold at a moment, no matter where you're at in life, no matter your background or not, take advantage of it, figure it out, work through it. And so... When it came to process and numbers, I was like, it, I just had to make it work, especially starting um, having a family and kids young and then going out on a limb and doing all those things without any backup plan, you know? And so yeah. 
When it's called the hustle, it's the hustle. You, you know? are not risk averse. That's for no, sure. No, not at all. And you I love collect risk. hobbies like they're going out of style. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few. You know, it's, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I do uh, very similar things. I had a uh, thing. I bought a domain called the Super Crunchy Chip Company. I was like, I'm going to make crunchy tortilla chips because I can't find <laughs> crunchy tortilla chips, like really crunchy ones. Right? Yes. There's only a few restaurants that have like really great tortilla chips. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so how could I like really make this a business? And I started like running the numbers and like figuring out, I was like, just to make like a couple grand a month, I would have to be essentially cooking, yeah. baking like tortilla chips 24 hours a day. And I'm like, <laughs> In your okay, kitchen? No. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I could go like rent a place, but you know, just starting out to see if it's like yeah. viable. And I'm yeah. just like, you know, just crunching the numbers like lightly. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. Crunching the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. pun. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. amazing when people have ideas and you're like, man, this would work. I would love for this to happen. The amount of cash flow it takes up front to get it up and running to where it can become a business. Yeah. And where you don't feel like you've got a snake around your neck just choking you to death going, oh, when's this going to end? And, um, you know, people have a ton of great ideas and, and things that will work. It's just um, the timing and do I have enough money to withstand this Yeah, until it gets up and going? Yeah. You know, it's funny about that is, is that was another reason that um, design really appealed to me is because it was so applicable to entrepreneurship. So you yeah. understood the, the business side and you understood the creative side and you could kind of figure out if things were going to be viable or not. I think that's one of the pieces that I think really excites me about it. I think that's also, though, a particular gift of yours. Like, I don't know if all designers go yeah. as deep and strategic as you because you definitely, you know, it's interesting kind of talking about that experiential, like how you loved the idea of, you know, that there was, an, you know, architecting, a, you know, an experience even or a city or, you know, whatever. And so, and I think your brain works in that very 360 type of way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm mean, very left brain because I was kind of forced to be left brain, right? And then yeah. I crawled out of that and became right brain. Yeah. I was always in the middle, but you know, it's like when you're growing up too, it's like, oh, you're going to go be a doctor or a lawyer or go be in business. And, you know, you're kind of like around that environment. And so, yep. you know, the the artistic side isn't something that you that a lot of people just don't don't go down and and funny thing is like you know I told you guys about my family is they were very artistic but so was my extended family right so teachers That's at awesome. the uh, um, uh, Center for Art and Design in San Francisco and you know their kids were very um, creative and so you know a lot of writing and other things in the in the family so it's definitely bred in there so yeah so I don't get a good a lot of pushback on it now so because the, the family's like Oh yeah, we know, like we get it, we understand. So Yes, that's yeah. awesome. Well, and you know, touching on what you're talking about with design and applying it and being able to see and test the validity of things, you know, I mean you see it from a deep level and, and even tying that to what Kyle's talking about with entrepreneurship, one of the things I think is so exciting and that you've got to be willing to know is you have to test the validity, but then you also have to be willing to move, evolve, change, adjust, like you launch an idea and it's valid, but then you put it out there and you know, you have to learn from the market or learn from people's feedback and you can't be stuck if you're realizing, okay, this is not quite working. And so, you know, adjusting to the situations in front of you or what you're seeing or staying ahead of trends or allowing yourself to be inspired or whatever, but you've kind of got to wind 
and adjust with whatever's thrown at you to find out where am I really supposed to be in this world, whether it's your business idea or your gifts or your value or your point of view or even, the you know, your relationships. I mean, you just, you know, I, I appreciate, but I always want to say that's, you've got to be willing. Yeah, that's one of the strongest maneuver. attributes of someone who is successful in business, the ability to change and willingness to do it. What would be frustrating for me to go back to being a designer, which I'm not, is laying out all your ideas of what you envision that client should look like to their customers and then getting rejected. It's you tough. know, oh, especially man. when you think it's a great idea and they yeah. don't get it. Like, have, like on paper, numbers don't lie when it comes to business. It's like a scale. But with an image, it's like it could be anything. Yeah, the perception, because everybody perceives the design or the content differently. So yeah. even if we see it one way, mm -hmm. they're going to see it another way. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like the, the colors, right? So like when we look at red, we may see love or passion. When someone else looks at red, they may see anger, even. you know, and design is yeah. the same way. That's definitely one of the, the challenges about it. How did you or when did you, either one, get through that point or did you ever, does it still sting? You know, because definitely you can always tell when you're working with a professional because they can handle no's, yeah. they can handle feedback. So how did that evolution turn out for you where you didn't take it personally, where you keep putting great stuff out there, even risking rejection? Well, when you, you listen to the design gurus of today, they tell you, you have to detach from your work, right? Like you can't make it personal, but when you're dealing with creative people, they are wrapped up in yeah. the work. It's and so I'm still connected to it, but um, I can accept if they don't like it and I'll just go move on. But it always stings. And, and designers will lie and say, no, you know, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've detached myself from that situation. And, you know, that's just what the, the client's feedback is. But the truth is, is that you're creating something and you're putting it out there and you don't want people to reject it because you put so much into it. It's like, you know, the joke that we always have is there's no easy button for design, right? So people just think you press a button and out pops this, you know, great thing or this creative thing. But the reality is there's a lot of thinking and execution and research that goes into the, even the simplest things. And I think that's kind of what gets lost in uh, translation. Yes. I, I, was, I will share a quick story with you guys really quick, though, based off of this. When I was in art school, we were doing our portfolio class. And I was doing this magazine cover and I did uh, this topic on like um, uh, trafficking for women, right? Like getting trafficked across the world and their kids. And I did this like topographical map of this pregnant mom, right? So it looked like a hill, but you could see like the outs outline of a woman, right? But you're looking at a map and I'm like, oh, this is like the greatest idea. It was like really conceptually strong. And the teacher is going around looking at everybody's idea and he gets to mine and he goes, that is the biggest piece of crap. And he <gasps> grabs it, he crumples it up Whoa. and throws it in the trash. No. Yeah. Wow. And I'm just totally floored by it because for me, it was like the greatest thing ever. And, and well, that like, really, right really up your back, just the spot, yeah. you know, the chills. It's, it's like going on a first date 
and you actually go shopping as a guy for like a weekend trying to pick out the right thing and she goes that's the ugliest shirt I've ever seen <laughs> you're going oh my god this ain't gonna go good <laughs> it was I meant to in writings like that you know I mean Eric you're a huge fan of white space in design but writing has to have white space too to make the words have significant impact you know that I mean Mark Twain or Abraham Lincoln, whoever is it's attributed to, but you know, they say I would have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. And it's because dumping all of your words and all of your ideas into something is easy. Cutting things out and giving power to the individual word, the individual sentence and choosing as Stephen King would say to kill your darlings is so hard. And to your point, I, there's been a couple times where I came up with, a campaign slogan or tagline or even just a concept. And it took me forever. Like you said, so much research, so much, okay, this versus that, just so much detailed thinking about carving away the stuff that doesn't matter. And then the client goes, what else have you got? Like, can, can you show me like 10 more? It killed me to come up with three and you want 10 more. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh my goodness. So gracious. really, really quick. I was going to share a tactic that, you know, I always tell everybody, one of our clients yesterday was saying that they had a really great writer on staff, but they just write a lot of content. And the designer was like, I can't use all this. There's just way too much copy in the thing. And I was like, okay, Give her a tip that I always use on how to whittle it down. So like when I'm trying to like remove content from whatever I'm writing or whatever I'm doing, I subconsciously pay myself $100 for every word that I'm removing. And at first, you know, it's just kind of a game. But after a while, you're like, oh, I'm really making good progress on this. I'm up to $1,000. So you'll notice that your long piece of content is now streamlined and sustained and short and to the point. So it's, 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 a, really, it's a really good tactic. It's, I love that. Well, there's a book, um, I, you and I were talking about it, Damn Good Advice. I think it's George Lois, oh, the yeah. creative director. Yeah. And in that book, he can tell an entire story in about less than 150 words. That's maximum. my type of book. Oh, you would love it. <laughs> and But it's because the strength of his designs, because he's a designer, is so strong. And he is so relentless at there is no fluff. And every story is impactful and insightful. And sometimes it's just a sentence. Sometimes it's a small paragraph or, but really never more than three or four sentences. And the whole time I'm flipping through this page, pages, I'm thinking, wow. I, I mean, that, that is mastery because it took them years to do that. It is mastery. That's what I was going to say when we were talking about messaging earlier is like a lot of the great advertising people always tell creators and other people learn how to write. Right, like become a good writer or good enough that you understand how to hook people in. Mm. So it's such a valuable key, especially when you get in into sales. That you know sometimes you're not going to be able to talk through it. That you've got to communicate through pen or the computer or, or you know social or whatever it is. And yeah, and I think we're all fans of of beautiful writing. Right, there's just something to it that that makes it really special. Oh, agreed. Now I figured you'd bring up writing. You would bring up artistic abilities. You brought up Mark Twain. Did anyone here see the documentary of Val Kilmer? I watched it last oh night. Oh my god, so good! Was yeah. that neat? That was fantastic. It was on I Amazon had... Prime. For anybody out there who's wondering, right? That's yep. where I had yeah. no idea he was such a creative, oh. 
eccentric creative. I didn't yeah. either. I didn't see that either. His whole I had family. No it was absolutely fascinating. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I just enjoyed his spirit and his story. Yeah. And oh my gosh, that was cool. Yeah. You know, what he's been through as well. You're talking about his spirit. Like the high hopes of him saying... Oh, I just have I just have hope that I'll have my voice back to where I can do this more. And I'm like, wow, you're not in good shape, you know. But you brought up Mark Twain. That was his. Uh, that's where he's at right now, yeah. as far as um, yeah, his final writing character. The story. Yeah, uh -huh. really cool. Oh, yeah, what was, so what was so fascinating about that is um, kind of towards the end where he talked about how it was embarrassing to go do those events and do yeah. autographs and like the, you know, the movie showings and stuff. And then he goes, when I get here, I realize that there's so much like gratitude and, you know, he loses all that embarrassment and becomes really thankful for yes. the life he had. And I think that, that reflection was so powerful because, I mean, I can just picture him being in that situation and being so down and like, you know, I've accomplished all this and now I'm down here and I've had these health issues. And for him to realize the goodness still in that situation was, was really cool. That is very amazing because right when I saw that scene of him signing autographs and the shape that he was in at the, um, the, the Comic-Con, Comic -Con. Yeah, mm -hmm. Comic -Con. The first thing I said was, wow, I can't believe people are putting him through this. You know, that he's willing to go do this. Like, I don't hardly get starstruck, but I like to leave people alone, even when I know who they are. Me too. Just because I don't want to bother them. They're human beings just like yeah. us. Like, you've got to hit time out button every once in a while and let them live. And I just thought they were exposing him and just, there's no way he's, he wants to be in this place. And as far as the documentary went on, I went, wow, that's a different way to look at it. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I love that he decided to have that attitude and then would dive into it because I think that's actually something really common and dangerous for anybody in any position, not just a celebrity or, you know, someone where they think something's beneath them. But I think, as human beings, so common, so common to think, well, this is beneath me, or oh, I can't believe my life hasn't gone bigger, or this opportunity isn't better, or I'm not making more money, or I'm not something, something. And you know, you can choose to see that you're bringing value, or bringing joy, or connecting with people, and really leaning into yeah. life, like into that present moment, or you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself. And that, and I think that is one of the dangers when people are talking about their calling and what it's all about. And that's what I loved about that story was because, you know, talking like that, I mean, you know, he could have easily said, it's all been stolen from me. And I kept waiting for that moment and he didn't go there. And that has to be a common choice, you know, it has to yeah. be a constant choice is what I mean, in order to stay in that place. And, you know, I mean, Eric used that word return to a grateful, you know, point of view or grateful heart. And yes, I mean, what a richer way to live, but he's doing it on purpose. I thought that was wonderful. Yep. Yeah. I was really surprised. Live that the, way uh, in the moments, just unreal yeah. of how he's been able to adapt and change from what he was to what he is now. Yeah. The other thing that kind of blew my mind about that is like all the great stuff that he was in. You know? Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ugh, yeah, really, so much. Really but now he's got it. What's your Art favorite museum? Oh, it's got to be Heat. 
I don't. I don't think she's seen Heat I because not. I go, oh my gosh, that was great. Heat well, was that's awesome. a you know, it's a guy's guide movie. Well, but yeah, but so, I forced her to watch a few of those. Yeah, I watch enough chick flicks. A few times life. a million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> Doc Holiday. Yeah, Doc Holiday was pretty. Uh, good. That yeah. was really good. Definitely my favorite. Yes. Yeah, Heat was just, and that was right around the time of that big LA bank robbery. Yeah. So there was such a connection to that in yeah. the movie, and it was so, it was like one of those serendipity yeah. moments that were life imitates art. Yes. Yeah. You know, so. Yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt that Al Pacino was in that. Yeah. Everyone was yeah. in yeah. that, yeah, I swear. Guys. Holy yeah. cow. Well, you know, watching that documentary, and he communicates through the scrapbooks now, and all the art, all the painting, I mean, just he's surrounded himself with new communication mediums and opening that gallery and connecting with different types of artists. But what really struck me, what inspired me is that deepening into inspiration, you know, I mean, like sinking down into like what is cool or interesting, like in the present moment and, you know, just like where your whimsy, where you follow your whimsy, like where it'll lead you. And, you know, I was mentioning us being on vacation the other day, but that is one thing that coming off vacation where I, I realize I get so caught in the weeds that I oftentimes miss like more than the opportunity to just go, Ooh, that's interesting. And just follow, you know, my curiosity for an hour or do something or, you know, and I think you are amazing and like help me to dive more into that slowness of serendipity and inspiration, like doodling on the outside of the box that you're going to send a birthday gift in is incredible. And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, like I want to do more of that kind of thing where you just are compelled to doodle and be artistic. And, you know, I mean, like in Kyle, you even do it with your hobbies, you know, I mean, you'll take up a hobby and you will go straight into, I need to be masterful at this. And, yeah, you allow yourself the it. space to do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's amazing. I don't want to half-ass it, even though it's a hobby. Did I ever tell you guys about the uh, when I went down the uh, rabbit hole for learning how to make leather wallets? Oh, yes. Uh, you brought it up before. Okay. The uh, Yeah, because I did the same thing to where... How I did we get on this topic, though? Um, we talked about it a long time ago. Because I go... I, did I bring up leather work? Because you, you were curious Maybe. about it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, I went down this rabbit hole and I just jumped feet first. You know, I was like the typical guy. I didn't ask for directions. I didn't watch. I didn't ask for instructions. I just watched some YouTube videos. I was like, I can totally do this. Went down to Tandy's Leather, spent like a thousand dollars on <laughs> leather tools and leather. I bought like expensive leather. Like I had no idea what I was oh, buying. Right? Like, did you die at all? Or no, no, it was, free? it was already done. Oh, okay. Right. And so I bought a whole bunch of different variations and then I just started going through and making these wallets. And then I, the, um, I was this close to buying a sewing machine because I was doing them by hand. How and much then, is a sewing machine for a leather goods? It's gotta be expensive. I think it was like, I think like the baseline one was about $500, oh, okay. but the, uh, it has to have that feature where you can walk back the stitch. Right. And so normally like the higher end sewing machines are mm -hmm. the ones that you have to do that, where you have to go back a stitch and then forward to like, kind of like lock it in. I've never yeah. sewed. I have no idea. Yeah. And I, and I definitely wasn't going to do that either, but I went through and like finished this first wall and I was like, this is actually pretty good. And I looked down and there's like one stitch that just like jumped out to like the far left and then came back like in in line and everything was still very crooked and i'm like okay so then i went through
through and did another one. And after two wallets, I was like, I'm done with this. And <laughs> that was it all. Yeah, threw it all in a box. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Where is it now? You... Oh, I've got just like a little storage thing. I've just got everything in there. You know, his storage you... thing must be the coolest like yeah, closet yeah. ever. There must be so much weirdness in your storage. Well, usually, <laughs> um, I can't say with everything, but a lot of things. Um, if I haven't used it in a year, I get rid of it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Except for tools. I mean, I'm like, I have some tools that I'm like, well, I, I know I'll need this someday. And so I hold on to this. I mean, like down in my heart, I'm actually a minimalist and I like want to alleviate really like as much, you know, of that congestion as possible. Even like a couple of weeks ago, I went through my closet and yeah. got rid of a bunch of shirts and donated them. And, you know, it was like just trying to like weed all that stuff out. Yeah. Every year I do, go, I go through my closet, literally, if I haven't worn it. And I go, man, this is awesome. But I'm like, why didn't I wear it in the last year? So yeah. there it goes. I have hangups uh, from childhood about buying clothes and the cost of things. So I struggle to get rid of clothes because I feel guilty that I'm just going to replace it with something newer. But I hate clutter. I really hate clutter. I don't like lots of things. Doesn't mean I don't have stacks of papers around me from time to time. But yeah. And well, don't, I don't complain too much about you and your clothes. I was going to say, and here's don't why. even, because I would love to go head to head with you. For whoever doesn't know stuff, this. Because the answer like, is you have way more stuff than me. All the, well, no one's watching this yet. It's <laughs> first episode. But we've been together or known each other since we've been 20. I remember when she would buy clothes from a thrift store from the 70s, you know, <laughs> literally being like, this hippie chick? So I'm like, well, she don't really cost, yeah, probably was like 10 bucks. I don't know. And um, until she got in the business world, I'm like, how much is a woman choosing? Not as much outfit? as cowboy boots. That's yeah, all but you those need last to know. forever. Do or can. <laughs> they don't get too outdated. Totally. Okay, so... We could chase randomness forever, but I think the one other thing we need to talk about on the podcast is about what people can expect, you know, like what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to be bringing on guests. Eric will be a frequent co-host, um, primarily because you've got so many amazing stories and you chase so you really stay on top of what's happening and you form interesting points of view around technology and design and trends and culture and it's just so fun you know to hear your unique take on it so what are you excited to talk about or what do you want to be talking about in the future when you're co-hosting i think for me it's more the uh the curiosity into the clients and the people that we talk to them i think that's really exciting is to learn more about them it's like you know we have like those initial like kickoff call and discovery calls it's really cool to hear their story and you know a lot of times we ask them questions that they hadn't been asked in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years yes and so i think that that's what's really exciting especially coming from the creative side you know they don't think a lot a lot of those uh questions so it kind of opens up the conversation a little bit completely i I don't get a lot of that side that you guys do because i'm only on the onboarding call but when we do ask them a question and these are people that have owned these businesses sometimes for decade plus and you go no one's ever asked you this and they don't know how to respond to it. It amazes me. It's just like they're a professional, like by all means at their trade. And when we like look at it different, since we've never seen it, we've never been around it. We ask all the, we try to ask as many questions as possible, or you guys do. And um, the outcome's surprising. 
people are always surprising. You know, one of the upcoming um, guests that's going to be on the early podcast are the Frados, and they run or ran an engineering firm. I mean, mechanical engineering, HVAC for commercial buildings, right? And they took a year off and sailed the world. And you're what? And you're thinking, what? You, what? You, you guys did what? And their stories are incredible. And that's what I love is there is always something magical and surprising about everyone. And I love finding those things and their inspiration. I think it's so cool. There's so much to learn. So this podcast isn't going to be just about corporate caffeine, you know, it's about personal relationships and connections and interest and you never know where it's going to go. Like we were just talking about Val Kilmer. Who would have thought when we sat down? I didn't. I think I love that you just brought that up because that is exactly what I want to remind people of is that your work is a part of your life. Like this, excuse my language, but this bullshit about, you know, like, oh, I have like my work life, you know, and I have my personal life and that they are separate and that I'm different people. And that is not true. No one can do that. Even if you are compartmentalizing, you are cutting off such a significant potential source of joy. And that's crap. Like, don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to the people on both sides of your life. They're all worthy. And the other thing is the work world. This is the one place you don't get to pick who you're around. I mean, even being entrepreneurs, we don't pick our clients. You know, I mean, like you don't pick every single. So you're constantly bumping into people that you would never have intentionally been around. And man, the potential for influence and how you change each other when you didn't pick to do life together, that is so exciting to me. But you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to decide, I'm going to bring my best. I'm going to bring my whole self. I'm going to be vulnerable, God forbid, and go big with life, you know? And I just, I don't want people to flush this side of themselves down the toilet. And so that's why it's called corporate caffeine, because it's about firing up your whole life and like, don't ignore the business side of it, no matter what role you play. This is not for you know CEOs only. I mean, this is about diving into your potential in the world. And work is not a four-letter word. And the, one. the truth is, is uh, work is good for your soul. Yes. Right? Yes. And there's a there's a dignity to it that and there's, you know, you feel inspired when you accomplish something and do something for somebody else and not just in your personal life, like you said, but also in, in the business side too. I mean, I think it makes people feel really, really good. I got curious one time and looked up how many times the Bible mentions or says something about work and it is a lot. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. I can't remember now the exact number and so I'm going to have to put it in the show notes or something, but it is an astonishing amount of times. And you start thinking, well, if God has a lot to say about work, maybe we need to take it a little more seriously, you know, and that it is, it is related to your soul and, you know, I mean, like feeling good and being good. So, yeah. And then we have, in addition to talking about corporate caffeine and winding, we are going to do married to the business episodes. Kyle, we are, we are. (laughs) <laughs> don't yeah, give you me that second husband I need <laughs> <laughs> no but I mean why don't you tell everybody why like why we decided to do that one you're kicking and screaming on it but I'm still kicking and screaming <laughs> this is yet to be determined this is um 2025 coming out stick with us you can see <laughs> whatever I swear if this thing does not launch soon I'll freak out <laughs> okay but they're married to the business episodes 
are because, you know, when you started working with me and you started going on my speaking events, you know, you have the camera in the background and challenging me to be better about my social media and, you know, getting things on tape. And when people would realize that he was in the audience and that we worked together, oh yeah, the number one question we get, no matter who I'm talking to, group of CEOs, you know, um, university students, we're talking about personal branding and you know career development. I mean, you name it, women executives. It does not matter who we're talking to and what topic. Number one question is, how do you work with your husband? The, number yeah. one question everywhere we yeah. go especially for me because i'm not the one talking about branding or messaging that's the one thing that they ask i probably get it 80 percent of the time what's it like working with your wife you on the other hand maybe 20 but still the I number one question yeah 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 and so we're gonna go ahead and talk about it because yeah. this is not the first business Are we gonna be honest <laughs> yes <laughs> do we know how that to be that's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> rare too huh it's rare oh yeah it is yeah. you yeah. know the fratos um they work together um, who own, own that engineering company that we're going to have on. Um, we run into a few people who do, but it's usually you have different paths, not the same interest. Uh, we definitely have two, two different strengths. That's what kind of makes it work. You know, we'll get into it another time, but um, you, you know, we, we, we play off each other's strengths and weaknesses and that's what does make it work. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm more on the business side to make sure it goes smooth, make sure, you know, we're doing the right things. And, you know, you have that creative mindset that doesn't always adapt to, all right, making the um, awkward and harder decisions. Conventional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle was the front man in the first business, and yeah. now I'm the front man in For this sure. business. Yeah. And so I think also it's fun because we can talk about, the differences and, you know, the different roles and, you know, what we've learned from both businesses because they're so different. But yeah. So, Hey, give people what they want. Like if that's the I question, that. then let's answer it. And I think let's ask them if they want it. We'll see. But yeah, <laughs> well, I love that. There's just, I think there's a grounding to it, which I think is really cool because you guys are totally different. And so oh, 100%. he's always the level one and you and I are always the ones that are like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you don't see behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not always Depends. level. Yeah. But when it comes to the work well, atmosphere with you guys. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I would say I'm more, have more common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I no, would agree uh, with that. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's been in. Hey, when ideation sure. is when one of your top five strengths, like, yeah, my head is going to yeah. be somewhere yeah. in there. The one well. thing you can't get away, though, is get away from it. You know? It's, yeah, we do we, not get away from even it. Even on vacation, we'll still talk about work every once in a while. Not 24 7, but, you know, that's one thing when you do work for someone or don't own your own business or you just keep your business to yourself that, you know, you can shelter that and just. You, to be honest, I think people just keep it tucked inside of them, and it's that's not good either. So we do express, and we know where we're at. We know why we may be in a bad mood or a good mood, mm -hmm. work-related. And so that does help when we're like, all right, don't, don't hit my buttons. You know what went on today. Totally. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it'll be fun. All right, you guys. Anything to wrap it up? It's been almost well, 50 minutes, an hour. I know. Well, I would say we've got so many exciting things coming up. You know, the book, the book launch, yeah. so many guests. And that would be the final thing I would say is that 
I have been blessed wildly with being introduced and being surrounded by the most remarkable people. Like that is probably the thing that I love the most is I get to meet so many incredible people all the time. And so I'm so excited to introduce the world to some of these amazing people because they're basically the unsung heroes. And then, you know, I hope it encourages people to have conversations, like deeper conversations. Don't just do the how's the weather thing. Like, go deeper. Like, don't wait. Like, and I mean, people are amazing. So I'm super excited. Meeting interesting people, like uh, we're getting ready to move to Fort Worth. That, you know, that's going to be an interesting, or the business is. So like, excited. walk around meeting people. Hopefully, they stop in and want to be on it one day. And we're like, all right, you know. I know. Knock on our door. Coffee with coffee is yeah. definitely coming back in person. So excited. Yeah. So more on that. Yeah, time. I think I agree with you. It's like there's so many fascinating people that we meet that, you know, there's so many good people in this world. There's so many people that have amazing stories that, yeah. you know, are just in the background and you never think of them. So just the idea that we get to introduce some of them, I think is, is really cool because yeah. I don't think there's hasn't been one of our clients where I'm like, God, their story is so cool. Yes. Right. I yeah. completely agree. Completely agree. There's all these worlds yeah. that you don't know about. It's incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, um, a loan officer, you're like, huh, pretty boring career, right? <laughs> then you get to know him, you're like, whoa, this guy's <laughs> crazy, right? Oh, or yeah. you guys know him more than me, but I catch some of it, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. It's always funny. I'm always. We will see how brave I get with like naming clients. You know, I mean, that's funny because if they listen, they'll know who they are. You know, yeah. like we, they're all good stories, but you just never know if you're being vulnerable on behalf of other people. But I guess the longer we do this, the better we'll get at it and more comfortable we'll get at it. So we okay. Yeah. Yeah. And all their stories are positive. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So, all right, you guys, I think Excellent. that's a wrap. I know. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> What's the outro? Boom. Boom. No. No. <laughs> Onward and upward, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me see. I'd probably do at least need to do an outro. So, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for our inaugural episode. I couldn't ask for better co-hosts. And here we go. Onward and upward. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, please help us help you by subscribing. I also hope you'll find us on social media. You can follow me, Dacia Coffee, and my company, The Marketing Blender, by searching us on your favorite platform or checking out the show notes for the links. We bring this to you because we envision a business world full of meaning, connection, and prosperity for us all. Until next time, onward and upward.